you uh, just if you ever want to know what um, what the preacher is going through, listen to the message. All right, there's always a there's always a a, a message inside of that. And um, today I um, want to ask. Uh, God is asking us a question, and this is why I hear God asking us today. What are you doing here? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever asked yourself that? Have you ever been somewhere in life? Has anybody ever taken a wrong wrong turn before? Anybody ever taken a wrong turn? And you, you end up saying to yourself, in the natural, it's like, what am I doing here? How did I get in this place? How did I end up on this street? And so the same thing, there are times in life where we tend to drift and we tend to get into a place and we ask ourselves, what are we doing here? And in fact, God even asks us, what are you doing here? Has God ever, have you ever felt God say that to you before? Like, what are you doing here in this place? You know, you're supposed to be doing this, but you're not doing this. You're doing that. And what are you doing in this place? And um, let me ask the kids in here. Has, has, has a parent ever said to you, what are you doing? Come on. Come on. What are you doing? And so in the same way, uh, this is what God is saying to us. What are you doing? Look at somebody and say, what are you doing here? That's a good question, right? A lot of us come to church for a lot of different reasons. Maybe you come to church because you was invited. Maybe you feel like this is just where you're supposed to be at. But God is asking you today, what are you doing here? I want to turn to a story in the Bible. It's in 1 Kings chapter 19. It's a, it's a very familiar story, and I just want to set it up for you. And this story is a story that I've, I've ministered on before and but I find it so relatable to just personally for maybe what I'm going through or what some of you are going through here today. So Elijah has this mountaintop experience. Elijah was a prophet of the Lord. And in fact, he prophesied at one time that there would be no rain. And for three and a half years, there was no rain. And so one day he challenged the prophets of Baal, the prophets of Asherah on top of Mount Carmel. How many know the story? If you know the story, shout Amen. If not, act like you know the story. Shout amen. All right. And so here's Elijah. He's on top of the mountain. And he has this moment uh, where he challenges the prophets of Baal, the prophets of Asherah. And as uh, me and Sam was talking earlier about the, the God who answered by fire, he was God, right? And so sure enough, they went first. They did their thing. They jumped around. They cut themselves. They danced. They did whatever they could do to try to get their God's attention. How many know what happened? Nothing happened, right? And so Elijah teased him and said, maybe your God's on vacation. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's not a God at all. I don't know what's going on with your God. But, but um, Elijah kind of just teased him a little bit. And so Elijah said, okay, it's my turn. And so Elijah prayed. And how many know what happened there? He prayed. And, and all of a sudden, God came down and answered by fire. And sure enough, he was God. And Elijah, he assassinated, killed the prophets of Baal and Asherah. And here he is, standing victorious with God on top of this mountain. And at this moment, I could just think about Elijah. And he probably felt that, wow, revival is now going to come to the land. Because see, what you have to understand, for many years, it was dry. For three and a half years, no rain. Okay? Because right after this happened, he, he saw a cloud. And, and many of you maybe know this story, right? He said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. He bent down and he prayed. And he saw a cloud, and sure enough, rain began to fall on the earth again after three and a half years. And so here's God. He's coming through. God's providing. All of a sudden, this is a major breakthrough. This is what they've been waiting for. And, and now here's Elijah. He's like, wow, this is the moment, right? He's on top of the mountain. 
and here he is on top of this mountain. Uh, God comes, God shows up, and then all of a sudden he gets this death threat from his enemy, and her name was what? Does anybody know what her name was? Jezebel. And so he gets this threat from Jezebel because Ahab, his, her wife, um, <laughs> that sounds Makes me, okay, anyway, so um, I almost went political there for a minute. I almost, I almost started, but I'm going to stay away from politics. And so here's Ahab, the husband of Jezebel. He communicates. I don't know if he texts her or whatever, however he got message to her right away. But so Jezebel says, by this time tomorrow, within 24 hours, I'm going to kill Elijah. Elijah heard about this, and he ran for his life. Now, wait a minute. Here is Elijah. He's on top of this mountain. He's outnumbered, right? All of these men around him, and they're calling on their God, and they're trying to, to, to get their God's attention. But then one woman comes up with a death threat to say, by this time tomorrow, I'm going to kill you. How many know that pressure will always reveal the strength of something? Pressure will always reveal the strongest or the weakest link in our lives. You see, how many know the enemy knows how to push your buttons? Not your wife, not your husband. Yes, I know that our spouse knows how. Don't look at me like that, Eli. We know how to, to push each other's buttons, don't we? And so the enemy knows the weakest parts of our life. You see, the enemy's not going to attack you in your strongest points, but he's going to attack you in your weakest points. Can somebody shout amen to that if you agree? And so the enemy shows up in a way and he says, okay, I'm going to send Elijah a death threat. You know what Elijah did after that? I'm going to paraphrase for you just for the sake of time. Elijah, in that moment, when he hears word that Jezebel wanted to kill him, he prayed, listen to this, he runs and he hides and, and he goes he, he begins to run. Okay, now watch this. He begins to run, and he prays that he might die. He says, I've had enough, God. Take my life. Now, wait a minute. This was the same guy that just called down fire from heaven. This was the same guy that was just, he just stood on top of a mountain, outnumbered, but yet now in this moment, now he's praying that he would die. Now he's giving up. Can I say this? Every time that we have this, this mountaintop experience, every time we have this revival moment, it will always be tested. Every time that we have this mountaintop experience with God, every time that we have this moment, do you know that we'll be shaken? You know, last year was a year of shaking. I was talking to a pastor yesterday, and he was talking to me just about this conversation about that he had with God. You know, he was saying, God, why, why would you allow this virus to come into the world? Why would you allow this to happen? And him and I, we were talking about this, and it's almost as if God allowed a shaking to go on to see, to really see foundation. Everybody shout foundation. You see, everything has to do with foundation. Everything has to do with... What are you building your faith on? Are, you building, are we building our faith on emotion? Are we building our faith on what it, you know, how we feel? Is, your, is our faith, does my faith, is my, listen to this, is my faith determined 
by the results of my prayer? Is my faith determined by the results of how God answers me? If my faith is determined on that, then my faith isn't faith. My faith is in uh, now, because the thing is, is that my faith in God is no matter how he answers, he's still God. Can somebody shout amen? No matter how he, no matter how he answers. And so here is Elijah. He has this moment where his faith is now being tested. And so as his faith is being tested, now he wants to give up. Now he, he prays to die. But wasn't this the same guy who just called down fire? Wasn't this the same one who just prayed that it would rain? And there are people like that right now under the sound of my voice or maybe even watching or somebody that you may know of. There are people that used to, they would be able to, you know, they wanted to walk into funeral parlors and try to raise the dead. And then all of a sudden, the storm hits, shakes their faith. Now they want to give up. Now they want to go ahead and quit marriage. Now they want to quit on church. Now they want to quit on God. And they say, you know what? This is just too hard. There are some here today at one time in our life we felt like we were able to call down fire from heaven. And maybe you felt like your heart was ablaze for the Lord. Now you feel maybe disconnected from God. You feel discouraged. You're in a dry place. Maybe you had such great faith at one time and courage. But every time that we have this mountaintop experience, the enemy will always launch an attack. Why? Because he hates God. He hates the people of God. He doesn't want you to reproduce. He doesn't want you to spread the gospel. He, does, he wants us to be quiet. He, he wants to shut our mouth. Now watch this. He, he goes to sleep under a broom tree. This broom tree, had they would eat the root of it, and it was bitter. And so here is, here is Elijah, and he's sleeping in a bitter place. He's sleeping in a dry place, and he's all by himself. You see, that one of the first things that we do when we begin to run away from God, or we run away from the call of God in our life, we begin to isolate ourselves. We begin to, to pull back. Come on, how many has ever declined a call maybe from a pastor or from a spiritual father? I know y'all never declined my phone number, right? No, my phone call, no. You know, oh, I the pastor calling. Come on, don't lie to me like that because there are times where I had pastors calling me and I ignored their call. And I'm talking about lately. Can somebody shout Amen. There are times when we, we just want to pull back and we just want to ignore. We just like to isolate ourselves. And that's what Elijah did. In fact, when he left, he even left his servant. He wanted to be all by himself. He didn't want nobody around him. He wanted to be just by himself. And you see, that's what begins to happen. That's where the enemy wants us. The enemy wants us to be by ourselves. God never intended us to do life alone. It's always good to do life together. And, he, and at that moment here, he's underneath this broom tree. And this broom tree represented bitterness. It represented isolation. And he slept. But you know what happened? God visited him. You know God visited us even in our dry places, even in our place of bitterness, in our place where we want to be all alone in a way. God visited Elijah. Now watch this. An angel of the Lord comes, and he begins to cook him a little bit of food. And he says, Elijah, get up and eat. He, fa he makes him a cake some biscuits and some gravy. I don't know if it was gravy, but some biscuits, all right? He made him some biscuits, the Bible said. A cake. And he made him, gave him something to drink. And you know what Elijah did in that moment? He got up and began to run again. No. You know what Elijah did? Elijah went back to sleep. Listen to this. I don't know whose uh, vehicle, vehicle that is. Uh, who's that? We're getting it? All right. I'm going to wait for that to stop for a minute because I want you to hear this. How's everybody? Good? Doing good? Mass was good. Everybody smile one time. Let's see. Whose car is that out, Josh? 
Randy? And Alex? All right. All right, so we're going to go ahead. There we go. Praise the Lord. All right. <coughs> Where was I? All right, here he is. He's laying down under the tree. The angel of God comes, fixes him something to eat. Elijah gets up, and he eats the food. And you know what Elijah does? Anybody know? He went back to sleep. He went back to sleep. And so the angel of the Lord came to him a second time. Somebody shout a second time. I'm so glad that God doesn't give up on me. I'm so glad that even when God comes to me and he shakes me and he wakes me up, that he has so much patience that he comes to me a second time. How many happy that God doesn't give up on you? Thank God for the second chances. Thank God for the second chances that he came to Elijah a second time. And he fixed him more food. And the Bible said that Elijah left and he began to to walk toward the mountain of God. And as he began his journey, he journeyed for 40 days. For 40 days, God gave him this space. God is so patient. God knows how to strengthen his child. There are times in our life where we didn't think we are going to make it, but the Lord comes and strengthens us and helps us in these times. Even when we wanted to give up and die, divorce, quit, and stop coming to church, walk away from the call of God. He is still faithful. I love the song that we were singing earlier. He is faithful. He is faithful. Somebody shout, faithful. He is a faithful God. Now watch this. 40 days. And Elijah now finds, finds himself to the mountain of God. You know what's amazing? Is that we can't run away from God, can we? No matter what happens in our life, there's, you can't get too far away from God. And so Elijah comes to the mountain of God. And the first thing that God asks him when he gets into the cave, listen to this. He's by himself, and Elijah, and God says this to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? You remember when I opened up and I asked you that question? And God was asking us that question, what are you doing here? So here's Elijah a man of God, a prophet of the Lord, calling down fire from heaven, calling down the rain from heaven. And here he is running for his life because he had a death threat from Jezebel. And here he is now 40 days later and he finds himself in a cave. He finds himself in a dark place. He finds himself hiding. He finds himself running from the call of God, running from life. And here he is in this dark place and God says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And that's what I hear God saying to us here today. Many of us in this room, we, we go through pain. We've gone through things that make us want to pull back and isolate and just go into a cave. And God is saying, what are you doing here? Did God really not know why Elijah was there or was he getting to Elijah's heart? You see, God will always offend the mind to reveal the heart. God will always ask us questions. He will always ask us the hard questions to reveal the heart. Think about the time when you know, Jesus was confronted with the rich young ruler, right? Jesus, you know, he was walking one day, this, this little dude come up to him, and he's like, Jesus, you know, what do I got to do to get to heaven? Well, Jesus began to explain to him, you know, follow the commandments, do all these things, right? And the, and the rich guy, he said, I do all this stuff, but what do I lack? Jesus said, go sell all your stuff and give it to the poor. Well, that hit to the heart, and you know what happened? He turned around and he left Jesus. You see, Jesus, God will always 
He will always challenge our heart. He will always challenge us. He will always ask us questions to reveal our heart. And so Elijah was confronted with the question, what are you doing here, Elijah? And God is asking us that question here today. What are you doing here spiritually? Where are you at spiritually right now? Where are you at in, where are you at in your walk with God? What God was saying to Elijah was, how did you get in this place in your walk with me? Elijah, what are you, what are you doing? Where you were doing so good, what happened? That's the same thing God is asking all of us here today. What are you doing here? How did you get in this place? You were doing so good. You were serving. You were ministering. You were doing the work of the Lord. You were trusting God. You were praying. You were on the prayer line. You were, on, you were you know, serving at the food pantry. You were witnessing to everybody. You would pray all the time. You would always call people and encourage them. God is asking you, what happened to you? Yes, I know there was a shaking. Yes, I know there was challenges. Yes, I know there was pressure. But where was your faith? Yes, I know we went through hard times. But God is saying, was your faith in the answer or was your faith in me? What happened to you? What are you doing in this place? That's the same thing God is asking us, all of us here today. What are you doing in this place? Why are you still here? What are you doing here? What are you doing in this place of hurt and loneliness or depression or spiritual dry or unforgiveness or addiction, rebellious, stubbornness? What are you doing in this place of lukewarm living? And Elijah answers back and says, I've, I've served you, God. I've been zealous. But look at all the people. Nobody else is serving you. They've broken down your altars. They've broken covenant with you. They don't even want to come to church anymore. Nobody else is giving. Nobody else is preaching. There's not even no preachers out there no more. You see, that's exactly what the enemy wants to make us think, that we're all by ourselves. Nobody's serving God. Nobody's going to church anymore. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. Oftentimes when we get in this place, it's very easy to feel like you're the only one trying to serve the Lord. Maybe in your family, you feel like you're the only one in your family trying to serve the Lord. Maybe you feel like you're the only one in your marriage that's fighting for your marriage. Maybe you feel like you're the only one that's fighting for your church. Maybe you feel like you're the only one that's fighting in ministry. Nobody else is standing beside you. Come on, I'm talking to ministry leaders here as well. There, are time, there were times, I'm telling you, there were times through this thing, and I, I felt like, you know what, God? Where, where, what's going on? God, you know, they want to kill me. They want to kill All right, let's keep going. Elijah felt alone. He felt hopeless. Everyone turned their back on Elijah, and he felt all alone. Maybe you feel that way. Maybe you feel like that in your family. Maybe you felt like that in your journey in life. This is the voice of many people today. Everyone else ain't serving God. Why should I? Everybody else is drinking. Why can't I drink? You know, they, their faith is wrecked, so I'm just going to go ahead and drink. I'm just going to go ahead and go back to my old life. I'm just going to go ahead and just, I'll put my time, I'm going to go ahead and put my time in business and work. I'm going to put my time in other things. It's just too hard. Too much peer pressure. Too much drama. 
too much temptation. Life's too hard. I'm really struggling, you know. And fear begins to dominate. And other things begin to dominate our life. And see, that was, that's what was going on inside of Elijah. Remember, this was not just you know, an average churchgoer guy. This was a man of God. He was, he was a fire talker downer guy. You know, he called fire down from heaven. He challenged the prophets of Baal. He killed them. And so here is Elijah. He's depressed. He's going through this moment. Can I say this? It's okay to have moments, but it's not okay to stay in that moment. We all have moments. We all have seasons. Let, let, me, let me help you understand, because there's, no, there's no, no, no such thing as you know perfection when it comes down to Christianity or when it comes down to ministry leaders and different things. People have moments, but it's not okay for the moment to have me and keep me into that place. Remember we talked about last week about the four lepers. They said, I'm not going to sit here until we die, right? They sat there. They had leprosy, and they had to make a choice. Am I going to get up? Am I going to go and try to get fed? Am I going to try to do something to better myself? Or am I just going to sit here and die? And you see, that, that's what the body of Christ looks like right now. It's like they're almost content with just sitting there and dying instead of getting up and trying to do something to better themselves. They're almost okay with staying home. I don't know how many people's watching live right now, but probably not too many. How many is on there, Holly? Three people. Zero. Four. None? That's awesome. Two. Great. And it's probably the two people in here watching it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's like people's almost content with just staying home and just, you know, I'll just stay home and I'll just watch church. Or I'll just stay home and I'll watch somebody else. I'll just listen to Stephen Furtick. Huh, I don't like what he said. Let's pull over to another guy. Let's go to another station. And if we just go ahead and we just, we're just okay with, we just drift away and, not, and not, we're okay with not coming to the house of God anymore. And we drift into this place of complacency. You see, what has happened is that we have, we have, been, we have been rocked to sleep and, and, and complacent. Can I tell you, watch this. If we stay in this place of complacency, if we stay in this place where we're okay and we, allow, we have allowed compromise into our life, do you know the Lord will leave you and you won't even know it? Ask Samson. Do you remember he was lulled to sleep by Delilah? Do you remember that? She kept trying to ask him, you know, where is the strength of your power? But what you don't understand is that Samson had a problem before he even met Delilah. Delilah wasn't the problem, it was Samson's heart. I almost threw this microphone at Melody just now, I'm telling you. I almost... it, wasn't, it wasn't Delilah's fault that Samson gave in because Samson done messed himself up when he touched the dead lion. Samson done messed up when he drifted away from the Lord. You see, compromise started to come into his life because he, he began to leave the Nazarite vow and the, and the blessing that was on his life. And he allowed compromise to come in. And because he allowed compromise to come in, the Lord left him and he didn't even know it because he revealed his secret to Delilah and cut his hair. And the power was in his hair. The power was in the covenant that he had with God. You're not hearing this. 
And see, when we allow compromise into our life, we begin to we begin to drift away from God. We begin to break covenant with God, and then God leaves us. Oh no, God will never leave us. God will no, absolutely. God is always with us. He will. But there are times when God will pull back, and God's power wasn't upon Samson at that moment because the enemy came in. Remember. And you know what happens? Samson says, I'll defeat him like I did before. Listen to this. I don't even know I was going here, but watch this. Samson said, I'll defeat them like I did before. And that's what happens in the body of Christ. We get like, you know, arrogant Christianity. Oh, I'm strong. I speak in tongues. I pray for people. I've done it before. I've laid hands on people. They've recovered. I've preached. I sang worship. I'll do it again. God moved before. He'll do it again. I used to teach. I used to do these things. I had faith. But then the enemy came on Samson again. He said, I'll go out and I'll defeat them like I did before. Not even realizing the Lord left him. And that's when he was defeated because of pride came in. The enemy came in and destroyed Samson's life. But the end of the story, Samson's hair began to grow back again. They shaved his head, but his hair began to grow back again, but his sight was gone. See? You see, it's in these moments. How do we allow the Lord to repair us? Samson had to repent. He had to repent. He had to turn himself back to the Lord. Well, pastor, that's so easy. That's that's very elementary. The problem is that the body of Christ don't know how to repent anymore. Because we have been serving God from memory. We minister from memory. We sing from memory. We preach from memory. We pray from memory. How many in here, you pray the same prayer every night before you go to bed? Now what kind of, and it's like this. What kind of, it's like you end up praying the same prayer. And I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that. Pray the prayer what you want to pray. But if it's not fresh and new to you, then it's not in your heart. It's just in your head. Are you hearing me? We've gotten stale in Christ. We've gotten stale in church because we just, we just pray the same prayers. We, we say the same scriptures. And there's nothing new anymore. There, there, there's, no more, there's no more newness. You see, what you have to understand is that every time in the house of the Lord, they would have this loaf of bread there to the front. It was called the what? The showbread. And this showbread was cooked every single day. So every single day there was a fresh loaf here upon, um, uh, upon, upon the, uh, the, the front here to the, inside the synagogue, inside the, inside the holy place, I'm sorry, inside the holy place, inside the temple, they would have the showbread. And it was baked fresh every single day. The problem is, is that we're living off of stale bread. I made myself an English muffin this morning. And I smelt it, and I felt it, and I wanted to make sure it wasn't stale. How many like stale bread? How many's ever had a piece of stale bread before? There's no flavor to it. It's hard. It's crusty. Moldy. I've eaten a piece of molded bread before. Come on, somebody. I know y'all. No? I, it's, it is nasty. And then I ate two more. No, I'm saying I, didn't, <laughs> I ate two more slices. Now I'm just complaining. In the same way, that's. A lot of our lives look the same way. We're living off of stale, moldy bread. We're living off of yesterday's word and yesterday's. We're living off of yesterday, you know, serving God instead of 
encountering his mercies new every morning. I want to kind of close, close this thing. I've, I've gone long enough. All right. Let's go back to Elijah. I left him in the cave. Let's get him out of the cave, all right? We'll get Elijah out of the cave. For all two of y'all watching right now. One, one. Oh, praise the Lord now. Got one. We're breaking, we're breaking numbers here this morning, I'm telling you. So now watch this. So, Eli- <laughs> am, I, am I all right, honey? Okay, good. All right. Good. So now watch this. Elijah is in the cave. God is asking him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very zealous about the work of the Lord. They've torn down your altars, and I'm the only one left. And so God does something. Now watch this. And, and I preached this wrong. I admit. I preached this wrong. And why? Because Elijah stayed in the cave during this moment. And I thought he came out first, but he didn't. I had to study this a little deeper. Now watch. You're going to like this. Elijah was in the cave. While he was in the cave, watch this. While Elijah was in the cave, I love this part. While he was in the cave, the first thing that happened was this. The Lord passed by. Now watch. While he was in the cave, God asked him this question. I'm sorry. You see, I always thought that he came out of the cave and then God asked him this question the first time, but he didn't. He was still in the cave. And then God said this to him after Elijah said, I'm alone. He said, go out and stand on the mountain. And so when he stood out on the mountain, you see, I thought he came out already with the cloak over, but he didn't. He came out of the cave with the same attitude. And he says this. And this is what happens. The Lord passed by and a strong wind came into the rock and the rocks were broken into pieces. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake was the fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. A still, small voice. And begin to think about that. You see, anybody can see God in an earthquake. Anybody can see God in, the, in a strong wind. Anybody can see God in fire. And does God move like that? He does. Sometimes he does move by fire. Sometimes he does move by an earthquake or a strong wind. But it was the still small voice that got Elijah's attention. And after the still small voice, God spoke to him again. I said, what are you doing here, Elijah? But this time, this time, he wrapped his face in the mantle. When he heard the still, small voice, and he went out and he stood in the entrance of the cave. You see, the still, small voice will draw you out of the cave. Because... It's the whispers of God. 
that draw us to his heart. Think about this for a minute. Whenever you hear somebody talk real low, it makes you do what? It makes you kind of lean in so you can hear what they're saying. You see, when God begins to whisper, when we begin to hear the whispers of God, it, it makes us lean in. It makes us get a little, little bit closer to hear what God is saying. And when he did that, he began to lean in and begin to hear God. God said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And in that moment, he wrapped himself in his mantle. Why did he do that? This mantle represented the prophetic ministry that was upon Elijah's life. This represented the call of God. He said, Elijah, you're still married to the ministry. You're married to the mission. I'm sorry. You're married to the mission. And so now watch this. Elijah gives the same response back to God. And I love this part right here. And this is what I want to close with. He says, there's still work for you to do, Elijah. He says, I want you to go. Go return. Basically, the same way that you came. Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus and anoint Haziel, the king, to be king over Syria and Jehu, the king over Israel. And I want you to anoint Elisha to replace you as prophet. And then he went on and said this, I've also reserved 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal in every mouth that has not kissed him. And so what God was saying to Elijah was this, I'm not done with you yet. There's still a purpose for your life. You still have a mission to accomplish while you're here still on the earth. And there are some in this room right now this morning that you feel like that you're in this cave. And God is saying, he's not done with you yet. There's still a purpose for your life. There's still a mission for you to accomplish. There's still greater things for this church to do. Come on. There's still greater things that God wants to do through you. There's still greater things that God wants to do through your family and through you in the name of the Lord. There are still great things that God wants to do. But now watch this. When Elijah left, Jezebel still had a death threat on his life. The enemy was still there. When we do the work of the Lord, don't think that the enemy is still not, the enemy is just going to go ahead and fall over and just say, okay, I lost. Go for it. The enemy is going to still do whatever he can do to try to stop and derail us from the mission that God has given us. But notice the first thing that Elijah did. He didn't anoint the kings. He anointed Elisha to take his place. Anytime that God wants to do a, a new thing and bring us into a new season, he always deals with the spiritual before he does with the natural. He'll always deal it. We can never go into a spiritual battle with natural weapons. And so that's, the, that's why the first thing that Elijah did was anoint was anoint Elisha to replace him as a man of God, to train up. Next week we might go further into that. So God, what I hear God saying to you and I here this morning, that God is not done with you yet. What is the name of your cave? 
What is the name of the cave that you have allowed yourself to be pulled back into? What is the name of that cave? Is it depression? Is it bitterness? Is it unforgiveness? Is it unbelief? Is it fear? What is the name of your cave? And God has asked you today to come out of it, to hear the whisper of God. To come out of it. To come out of that cave. Because God has a work for you to do. Jake, why don't you go ahead and stop that for a minute. Yesterday I was having a conversation with this man of God. I asked him this question. I said, how do I do it? You see, there has to come a point in our walk of faith that there's got to be something inside of us that says, I want more. I want more. I want more of God. I want, I'm, I'm tired of the place where I'm at. I'm glad I'm not where I've been, but I know that I'm not exactly where God desires me to be at the moment. I, I got to go for, further. There's, there's more for me out there. And, and I asked this man of God yesterday, I said, how do I start? How, where do I, how do I get back to this place? first area the first area is leaning back into God number one we can't do it without the Lord number two we got to change our way of thinking things are not going to look like they used to be I want to say that again things are not going to look like they used to be if you're waiting for church to look like it like it did before it's not going to be if you're waiting maybe for your life to look like it used to before, it's not going to be. Why? Because God wants to do a new thing, even right now. I remember and I rejoice and I celebrate the things of the past. And I miss the things of the past. But I can't live there any longer. Look at somebody say, you can't live there. I thought to my wife, I said, can't camp out there no more. You got a fire cooking, you got marshmallows. Thinking about, can't do that no more. We, we, we celebrate, we remember the past. But God, there's a new season. There's a new day. We got new babies. We got more on the way. There's a remnant out there. There are thousands out there that get to, to hear the gospel. I want to say that again. I don't know if that excites you or not. But I said, but there are thousands out there that have yet to hear the gospel, that want, that need Jesus Christ, that need the deliverance of God. There are still other leaders out there. There are still other ministers. There are called ones, called out ones that God wants to anoint. There are others that God wants to raise up. There are ones in this room right now that God wants to anoint and raise up in this room. There are some right now that need to say, here am I, God, send me. I'll do it. God is saying the time of being looked over is no more. God wants, there's a new season in your life right now. If you believe that, come on, let's, let's stand to our feet. Let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, I, I'll be that one. Here am I, God, send me. I'll go. I'll go, God. I'll go. Help me to change my mentality. The third thing is this. We got to be willing to work hard. 
we got to be committed. Nothing great comes easy. Greatness does not come easy. The call of God, it's going to take hard work. It's going to take commitment. So, Father, here am I, God. Send me. Change my mentality. Change my thought life. I'll go. Send me, God. I'll do the hard work. I'll do what it takes. God, I repent. And I turn to you, God. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's just raise our hands.